0: At MasterCard, we believe that women-owned small businesses are uniquely inspiring. They're pillars of the community and have a measurable impact on the people within them. It's their secret sauce. We are deeply committed to helping address the daily challenges of all Canadian small businesses by putting our technology, cybersecurity solutions, digital resources, and partnerships to work for you every day. Discover them today at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. MasterCard. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash small business.
1: Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and change makers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday to hear news stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. Today, we're thrilled to have Aiden and Giancarlo on the show from Blade Air, a Toronto-based innovator in indoor air quality. Giancarlo Sessa is the co-founder and chief strategy officer of Blade Air. With a passion for helping founders achieve their goals and foster a winning mindset, Giancarlo is an active investor and advisor to startups and he was recently named to the Forbes 30 Under 30 list in industry and manufacturing. Aiden Fida resonated with entrepreneurs from a young age and always knew he had to build and grow something on his own. Now he's a co founder and CEO of Blade Air, watching the company flourish, having come from an idea to a multi million dollar business in just a few short years. Blade Air has always been about smashing the status quo. It produces state of the art indoor air quality solutions that meet the highest industry standards. Blade's suite of products includes. HEPA, electrostatic filters, and carbon filters, and this team delivers air quality solutions as unique as their clients. Aiden and Giancarlo, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Hey, Rick, thank you so much, glad to be here. We're delighted to have you here. The first question we always ask, because we have some listeners who are impatient and want to get to good stuff, uh, what's the top piece of advice that you hope entrepreneurs will take away from today's conversation?
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a great question. And uh, I, I think just right off the bat, um, it's one of our favorite questions, actually. And this is Giancarlo speaking, too. Um, I, I think for me, what it really comes down to and a, and a big piece of advice is focus on as an entrepreneur, you're going through so many different highs and lows throughout the journey and throughout the process. And, you know, you're always focused on hitting that next goal, getting that next target, doing the next best thing. But you know what I find that we tend to forget throughout the process is to actually focus on yourself and to to focus on your own mental health throughout the journey. Um, at the end of the day, you know if you're not doing what's best for yourself to perform at your top quality and you and at your best, at the end of the day, you know the business is gonna suffer. Um, in order to get the best out of the business, you need to get the best out of yourself. So. Make sure to take time out of your days, even if it's ten minutes, fifteen minutes, whatever you can allot, in the morning, in the evening, whenever. Just take that time to focus on yourself and ensure that you're in the proper state and and always improving.
1: Very cool. We'll, we'll get to Aiden in a sec, but Giancarlo, can you share? You know. Wh- what do you do to look after your mental health? What what? might you do when you're faced with one of those lows?
0: No, absolutely. Um, for me personally, um, and you know, my whole life, I've been a morning person. Um, you put a movie on in the evening, no matter what time I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> um, I think everybody who's close to me knows that best. Um, so for me, I've always been a morning person. So I like to actually spend some time in the morning by myself. So You know, I'm a big believer of waking up early. That's when I'm more productive. When everybody comes into the office, I like to chat. So I'll chat with everybody. So typically, you know, I'm awake at around five in the morning, usually. Um, And, you know, before I actually go to the office, I like to do a few key things. And for me, what that includes is, you know, one is taking some time to actually just read a little bit. Um, just being by myself, um, I have a few key books that I like to sift through, and you know, I'll read a few pages of that, just getting me in a good state. Um, I, I I really do enjoy meditation as well, so I take some time, just do a quick meditation, get myself grounded in the moment, ready to take on any challenges that the day has for me. Um, and I am a big believer as well of uh, you know affirmations and truly believing and having a positive mindset. So I take some time to do that. And what I find that these key things do, and, you know, it's different for for everybody as well, Um, you know, just try different things to to get you into that mental state. And what I've noticed that it helps me with is, you know, whatever challenges might come on during the day, I'm not going to suddenly react to it and have a a quick knee-jerk reaction. I'm actually going to be able to take time to process the information and respond to it properly and accordingly Um, and then you know just even in the evenings as well um, one thing that I do do is I actually uh, for the past several years I've actually kept a journal and what I do is I record pretty much everything that goes on throughout the day especially key items and what I really like to do is you know at the end of the year I'll actually have essentially a whole story of what happened throughout the year and it's great to look back on but really the core reason why I do that is so you could see that, you know, all the challenges that we've gone through, we've overcome them. So whenever something new happens, and you feel like, you know, how are we going to get out of this, you just look back at that. And you realize, you know, I thought the same thing at a point in the past. And, you know, through the process, we got through it, and we know we'll get through it. And it's just having that affirmation to know that you're capable.
1: Cool. Now, Aiden, as CEO, how do you top that? <laughs> um, Best advice that, that you hope <laughs> entrepreneurs will take away from this.
2: Well, I I do strongly agree with Giancarlo. I'm I'm very similar in a lot of ways with the morning routine. And, and despite having small differences in what we do, it's all about getting into that right uh, headspace and maintaining that headspace. Burnout is a real thing. Um, and I think that's one of the hardest pieces of advice to take is what Giancarlo offered because as the owner of the business, you constantly want to give and give and give to it. Uh, but if you don't take some time for yourself as well, you're not going to be giving what you should be giving or what you could be giving to the company. And so it's it's short-term versus long-term thinking. And it's it's the hardest piece of advice to take. But I do genuinely believe in, in what he has said and, and think that that's a great piece of advice. I'll take a more practical approach in my own. And and talking about the business actually. And uh, this is it's a great question right now because it's actually something that we're kind of dealing with at this very moment. We scaled our business so quickly that one of the major flaws now is our internal infrastructure and foundations. We are struggling now to, to grow sustainably because we don't have the right resource pool in place for shared documents. Uh, we didn't have a CRM and ERP and all of these other extra items that seem like uh, not necessary at the time, but really come back to bite you later on when you try and really sink in and and start to to continue on the growth and, and that sustainable pathway. And so building up a solid foundation and making sure your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed, it will pay dividends in the long run as you try and grow, having that solid foundation in place. So don't rush through those things Make sure that you have the right systems that are meeting your needs. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it does have to scale with you and be able to address your needs as the company is going to continue to grow.
1: Right. I think, Aiden, a lot of companies are you know, trying to catch up in terms of establishing the systems they need because by the time they figure out what they are, they, they've grown past those and need something else. Any any hints or tips or, or uh, war stories about you know, catching up and actually having the, the, the systems in place that you need now.
2: It has taken John Carlo and I months at this stage of sitting down, trying to pull all of the documents. So it's, it's brutal because instead of getting that free time where, okay, we, we finished what we needed to do for the day. Now we have to spend that extra two <laughs> or three hours that we should have spent earlier on to, to get everything in place. Because once you, you you hit a certain point, coming back from that point and trying to build beneath of it is incredibly challenging because there's just so much information, so much documentation, that really you're almost wiping the slate clean and, and restarting that whole center. And that's literally what's happening with our shared resources right now, for example. So we put the team onto, uh, onto SharePoint, didn't have it built out properly and didn't have the integrations used properly. And so we fell behind as a result of that. And it's taken us months of, of background work and, and weekend work and and nighttime work that should be spent with with family and loved ones uh, to actually get it back to a stage where we are happy and, and confident that we are going to be able to continue our growth uh, for the foreseeable future.
1: Right. It, it comes down to the old saw, doesn't it? Uh, of how you have to work on the business, not just in the business. Exactly. All right. Let's talk a little bit about what you do, what, what Blade does. Um, your, your website says, healthy air is the next frontier in public health, and the need to manage it will never go away. Tell me what opportunity you saw and what your solutions look like.
0: Sure. So...
2: For us, we, we actually started in odor control back in 2017. We uh, came out with the world's first zero waste carbon filter. And and the reason that we, we picked that industry uh, was really due to a fluke um, on uh, my older brother and our other business partner, Joe, uh, who is the chemical engineer on our team. He has a love of growing uh, tropical fruit plants, and he realized in Canada, there's not enough heat and light in the winter to actually grow those plants. And so while we were attending university, he was going to uh, what is now Toronto Metropolitan University. And I was attending uh, school at Schulich. He's a couple of years older than we are, but we were living together in the city. And uh, he looked into buying a growth locker, which is uh, commonly used for cannabis at that time. and, uh, And still to this day, looked at the price tag said, okay, well, can't afford that. I'm an engineer, I'll build my own. And it was during the design phase, he realized the inefficiency with this carbon filter, which was used for odor control. And if you were using it for cannabis uh, pre-2017, you were using it so that your neighbors and and cops didn't know what you were growing. And uh, so Joe looked at this design, called uh, some other friends who were using the application, I won't name what for, but um, and said, what's the deal with this? And they said, it is what it is. It's been this way for the last 25 years. It's inefficient, it's expensive, but it's the only thing we have and you need to use it. And so he went back in with that attitude of, okay, well, I'm an engineer. I think I can do better. And so he started looking at designing a replaceable carbon filter that would ultimately uh, end up having huge operational savings and also minimize the amount of waste that these uh, growers were going to be producing. And it was also going to be a very heavily regulated industry, odor control for cannabis coming out. We knew that there was going to be a large concentration of effort there. And so that was our initial inkling to the market. Giancarlo and I ended up calling every single uh, hydroponic store, which was the main retailer. Uh, for the carbon filters across Canada, gathered a whole bunch of insights from them. Realized there was a real business uh, potential here, and and started growing the business from there. And just founded it, raised about eighty five thousand bootstrap uh, non diluted funding. Uh, Twenty nineteen, we did our first raise, brought in some capital to start buying inventory, and we had really built up a brand name and reputation for ourselves in the industry, and uh, we had. Coming into 2020, a phenomenal pipeline built out, retrofits, new builds, engineering specifications, um, and and it really started to finally find the success that we were looking for. And then obviously the pandemic hits and the cannabis markets in particular took a, a very, very
0: hard crash uh, as it was already in a declining stage. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, it's kind of funny because from here and and to your notion, healthy air is the next frontier in public health. This is really where all that kind of changed towards that, that notion, right? Once the pandemic started, and before it was even a pandemic, right? We were doing all that work in the cannabis industry. And it's kind of a funny story. In I want to say February, no, in January of 2020, we were actually out in a trade show in Vancouver for the
1: cannabis this is a month before COVID. Right,
0: just a month before COVID. And, you know, we went there, we had a ton of great uh, feedback and traction at the show that we actually got invited to come back out there the following month to, to go meet with some new potential clients. And, you know, we flew back home, went back to Vancouver in February. And what happened here was, this is when you know the term COVID started coming around initially, and I remember it was the flight before we actually went out to Vancouver. The whole flight actually got COVID. It was the same the same flight. So I remember we were thinking, okay, maybe we should wear masks on this flight. This was before anybody wore a mask. So I remember um, getting on the flight, and I was actually the only one wearing a mask. So I was kind of seen as the weird one on the flight right now, and uh, you know. We were there for a few days on the flight back home. Everybody wore a mask on that flight. And that's where kind of everything flipped. And, you know, being in the indoor air quality space, we started doing research into what is COVID, what were past pandemics, and realized, you know, indoor air quality is truly the basis here. This is where we need to improve. This is where we need to help. And being in the indoor air quality space already through the carbon filtration, we felt like we had a need and a duty to help out. And that's exactly what we did. So that's when we quickly developed our HEPA air purifier. So that is the number one leading commercial indoor air HEPA purifier. And, um, you know, we quickly started pushing that to to different organizations, to private schools, started seeing a lot of success with private schools, started pushing to the public school boards. From the public school boards, we started seeing success actually with the broader government. So we quickly became the Ontario government's preferred partner and supplier for HEPA air purifiers. So, you know, with a lot of those um, commercials and on the news where you saw air purifiers going into schools, a lot of those were our HEPA air purifiers. And from there, it's always having that constant notion of let's keep innovating, let's see where the industry is going next. We need to always improve um, indoor air quality. You know, the one thing that we took away from the pandemic is how important and how crucial indoor air is. Um, and that you know, in the past before the pandemic, we were very far behind of where we should have been. So the pandemic really sped up to where we should be. Uh, and always looking forward. So from there, you know, we started identifying new products that we thought could help. And we always have a core belief in sustainability, but as well as Canadian made, that's been a big focus for us. So we started bringing on new technology to see where the market was going We brought in UV technology, we bought in electrostatic filters, and all this technology combined has brought us to where we are now, which is a leading indoor air quality technology organization.
1: Uh, and, and so, so what is it? Can I just ask help me understand. Yeah. So what is, it, what is either your preferred market or your most popular product and what's the price point there? I mean, I don't think you're selling anything to homeowners. It's like schools and institutions and things.
2: Yeah. So, so the, the market opportunity is applicable to indoor air. So whoever is in an, in an indoor space with either lacking mechanical ventilation, so no HVAC system and needs a, a additional air uh, to anybody who has an HVAC system is really the market that we look to address. But to kind of focus in on who our key customer focuses is, is we look at commercial real, uh, commercial real estate owners and, and property managers. And the purpose for that is that uh, with our technology, And I'll tie this back to your other question, actually, and to Giancarlo's point of always looking forward, is we were looking at the industry as a whole and recognizing this. We spend 90% of our time indoors. Uh, 40% of sick days, approximately, are due to poor indoor air quality in the spaces that we we live and occupy. And there has been so many studies done by the, the scientific and healthcare communities that show that having better indoor air quality is not only better for our physical health, but it's also better for our mental health and that productivity levels can increase as much uh, as doubling performance and due to a difference in in, in ventilation and what people are exposed to. And so when we looked at all of that and we also factored in the, the way that the market was moving in our industry specifically, Sustainability had really taken a backseat during the pandemic. And so Forbes actually released an article in late 2022 that, that speaks to that is, can we combine indoor air quality and sustainability in one? And that was actually something that for the last seven months had been our primary focus. We wanted to differentiate ourselves and focus on being the difference, taking that holistic viewpoint uh, of indoor air quality as a factor of ESG. Um, and and deliver value that way to our customers. And so our most popular product right now by far is definitely the electrostatic filter that we've introduced. It has significant energy savings potential because it runs at at a much lower uh, pressure threshold. So it puts less strain on your system uh, while also delivering a much higher indoor air quality. We actually have stamped engineering letters that say it performs uh, similar to a HEPA in the viral range and our lab studies actually show that we outperform HEPA in that range. And so looking at the market from that ESG perspective of how do we help people move forward uh, on all of those platforms rather than just one specific platform has really allowed us to focus in. And that's why we do focus on those larger customers because that's where we can have the biggest
0: impact uh, for them. Yeah, actually, I'd like to tell you, Rick, On that note, one example, and it's it, it it's amazing, and we love telling the story. Was uh, we actually ran a project at uh, the Distillery District in Toronto, and uh, the Distillery District wanted to improve their indoor air quality, but you know they also wanted to be conscious of sustainability and all those different factors.
1: So the Distillery District, it, it's like a collection of shops and boutiques and restaurants and things. Uh, yeah. Is that what you're? Yeah, to? exactly east yeah side.
0: exactly so what we did with them was we actually replaced um the filters that they had which were called MERF 13 um with our electrostatic filters and what we were able to do for them was actually improve their indoor air quality by 2.25 times but simultaneously we also provided about 75 percent reduction in their fan motor consumption. So about 75% energy savings on, on their, on their motor.
1: Very cool. So, um, what's the ROI if, if, if the, 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 does investing in your filters and bolting them into their systems, does that pay for itself in a year or two years, three? Four. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's, that's a great question. And actually it's, it's funny. That's literally the, the calculator that I'm working on right now. Uh, is is that holistic break-even viewpoint that we can show to our customers. We've seen customers breaking even in as little as 18 months. Uh, we've also seen customers breaking even in as long as about 40 months so far. Uh, and that really just depends on what the building is equipped with today. But in our industry, anything under five years is considered uh, a, a very favorable payback period and so for us, it's, it's that tremendous amount of value, and we love showing our customers exactly how we're making those calculations and what's going into them so that we can help them understand as well what we're doing. One of the other components to this calculator is that we're actually tracking for them uh, what their anticipated greenhouse gas emissions reduction is going to be as well, so that way they can actually see uh, the visual component to that. And we've also factored in that health and wellness component where if they wanted to include that in the model of looking at a a five to 10% conservative increase in productivity, they could see what type of value that would deliver for them as well. So we have it broken down into four key areas where we feel very strongly we deliver high value to our clients and that's energy, logistics, operations, and health and wellness savings. And so, uh, yes, we, we do have a very expedient payback period and a very high value proposition. And uh, it, it's starting to pick up a lot of attention in this market right now. We have spent uh, about a year and a half now testing this product uh, in different circumstances, in field, in lab, running different simulations uh, to really refine it and make sure that the product offering that we're bringing to market is going to deliver
1: on every single area that we promised. Very cool. Go ahead, drop a few names on me. Some clients that you're working with.
2: Um, So we are actually, uh, we have completed the single largest IAQ uh, upgrade to a school board in North America, to the best of our knowledge, with the uh, Peel District School Board. It was 261 locations and 20 million square feet uh, for our UV project that we did with them. Uh we also work with companies like Coca-Cola, obviously the Distillery District, CBRE. CBRE, we work with uh JLL and Brookfield right now as well. Um and we're in conversations with a couple more, but I'll I'll keep those ones to myself
1: for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah. That, you impressed me. You did the work. You did the work. That's good. Good. Stuff.
2: Yeah, I don't want to jinx it just um, to be honest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. No, who wants to do that? Um, Take me back a little bit. You guys, uh, I think, met before Blade, right? You were friends before. Tell me about the origin of the Aiden Giancarlo team. I like telling
2: this story because really, Blade is all because of me, because of this single moment in time where I made a decision. Uh, Giancarlo and I actually met in our first ever accounting class in university. I think it was the second day. It was an afternoon class. And uh, he was one of the only people already in the classroom when I got there. And so I was like, okay, like, I'm not going to sit beside him. That's a bit weird. I'll sit behind <laughs> him, right? And just off to the side a bit. And uh, and it, it was cushioned between two other people. So it was perfect. And I just, I look up after I've sat down and I see this, this guy in front of me designing a Ferrari waiting for class to start <laughs> on their website. And uh, I also have a passion for cars and I had, spent many hours doing the same thing and so i kick the back of his chair and say make that black instead of yellow and consider
0: it from my perspective now (laughs) it's the second day of school you know you're in your first year you don't know anybody (laughs) and all of a sudden somebody kicks the back of your chair and you're like who the heck is this guy
2: (laughs) and then he makes fun of the car that i'm designing (laughs) needless to say we have been best friends
1: since that point in time that's very cool. <laughs> Did you ever get that Ferrari? Not yet. No,
2: not yet. <laughs> not yet.
1: Is it still on the on, on it, the on the wish? It's board?
2: definitely on the list. You know what? Actually, I, I will tell you a little story here just uh, because it's 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 on topic and funny but uh, Giancarlo and I actually share an office right now. And uh, we both have a a dual monitor set up in addition to our laptop. And so there's one screen that the other person can't see. And a lot of the times I see Giancarlo just constantly staring at the screen. And I'm like, man, I can't take a break. This guy works so hard. I need to stay on level with him. (laughs) And I'll get up and I'll wander over to his computer. And there's like 17 different tabs open in, in Google Chrome For different car places where he's looking at exotic cars, he's price checking them on Auto Trader, and just has spent the last hour of his life looking through all of these cars. You you
1: know what,
0: though, Rick, in my defense, I have not bought the Ferrari yet, so I have to keep my eyes and ears open for when the sweet deal comes about. But he could very
2: easily put (laughs) all of this on his other monitor so that I know what's happening and I can see it but he just wants me to think that he's working. And so I stay there working like an idiot. (laughs) It's
1: all part of the plan. (laughs) Tell me what's the best thing and the worst thing about working with your best friend every day.
0: Yeah, no, I think that that's actually a great question. And, um, you know, we talk to a lot of different entrepreneurs. We do a lot of advising and, you know, we come across people who are doing, doing it by themselves. And like, we just, we salute them and we we give them our praise because doing this by yourself is insane and it is uh, a such a big challenge so kudos to all those people like we're doing it as a group and we started as a group of three people and you know the challenges that we come across um are are, are big in and of themselves so to do that by yourselves, like kudos to those people like we're here to support as much as we can and you know it's It's a great experience, honestly, working with your friends. And I I think the most important thing is having that balance of, you know, when you're working on the business and having being able to separate your friendship from your business, from having a business partner. Right. You know at certain times we have fun obviously throughout the process that's what's also most important is enjoying the journey and doing it with people that you like to surround yourself with Um, so that's one key component is we always try to have fun but at the same time we need to understand when it's time to be serious and you know the great thing i think about the three of us is that we don't all think the same to be honest and the way i kind of like to refer it is we have a mastermind group I think between the three of us and between the broader team now as a whole, as we brought more people in, because, you know, I think the reason why we've been able to have as much success as we've had and grow as quickly as we can is because we don't always get along with the same decisions. And, you know, we are brainstorming sessions, we're going through different perspectives and having different analysis, and we come up to a conclusion quickly at the end. But Wherever the idea started isn't where it ends. And we go through many different criteria and different thought processes. So together as a whole, you know, we complement each other very well, right? Where one person has a weakness, the other person has a strength. And I think that's what really separates a great team at the end of the day.
2: I think just to kind of add to that, the way that I see it is, is the upside is the support network that you have. Uh, you're always there, pushing each other to 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 be the best version of yourself, inside and outside the business, and to grow as a person and grow the business. We all have the same vision, the same dream for where we want this to go, and so just having each other there to support each other along the way, as Giancarlo said, has been just fundamental to 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 the success that we've achieved to date, and 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 to the success that we hope to achieve in the future. And I think the the hardest part of the relationship is not abusing the relationship in the sense of it's very easy to take your frustrations out um, and make it personal rather than maintaining objectivity knowing that you're on the same team keeping your head the right way and just knowing that your business partner again is the person that is working with you and for you towards that same goal and just always remembering that during the harder times when everybody is frustrated, everybody is angry. It's easy to yell and vent on your friends, but you also have to just maintain that level of professionalism in, uh in those disagreements and through those harder times. But it's it's a worthwhile trade off. And I do it any day of the week. As Giancarlo said, kudos to the people who have done it on their own. Good for them. and And we try and support those individuals as much as we can and and make it very well known to them how impressed we are, because I genuinely don't think that that blade would be what it is today if, if any of the three of us weren't here, let alone two out of the three of us weren't.
1: Right, right. Those are great answers. Thank you so much for, for, for sharing that and talking about that. How big is the team now? We're about 25 people strong right now in
2: the company. We're still growing. We, uh, we have an aggressive expansion plan that we're mapping out right now for um, really solidifying the position in Canada. And expanding into the U.S. over the course of the uh, next eight to twelve months here, and we're really looking to add about fifteen more people to the team within the next
1: year. You, you, you're obviously reading my notes here because I was going to ask you about whether you were looking to expand, and obviously the U.S. Oh, is the I, uh, I actually <laughs> completely missed that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> when, when it, you know, you've talked about, you know, your, your, your. Deliver policy to sort of provide Canadian solutions. So, what is, so so, how different will it be when you move into the States? Uh, do you, do you have the same competitive edge you think over in, in that marketplace that you have in Canada?
2: North American manufacturing?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what, though,
1: it's I mean, like a graduate them, course in <laughs> positioning. Like
0: you know what, it, it is true. Um, north american manufacturing is definitely key i think for the time being um as we start kind of examining the states you know the manufacturing will be done in canada but i think as we start getting a bit of a stronger presence we will be looking to to open up some plants out there um, just to help with supply
1: what 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 is the the the, um, competitive advantage that you think you have over the incumbents
2: it It really comes down to that dual focus of the indoor air quality component and the sustainability. and And there's benefits on both sides. Right now, because of the pandemic, especially, there is so much snake oil in our industry. And so actually having real third party lab testing done, having real field study uh, field studies completed, using independent partners to uh, make those evaluations for you. Uh, has, has really given us a competitive advantage in terms of technology verification, and so getting us at least a foot in the door on the technology side alone and having that competitive advantage. Uh, the other side to it is is really how we are focusing this technology and, and being aware of what we are targeting and how we are targeting it. So knowing who our competitors are. We've created a curated list of our competitors in the industry for each and every product that we carry and have really Great. drilled down to understand where is our competitive advantage. And what it comes down to is that dual focus, having the ability to to service the indoor air quality while still being able to deliver more on that ESG initiative side is is really what's given us a, a, a huge footing right now to, to continue gaining Uh, market
0: share. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'd like to actually add one more um, aspect to that too, is, you know, having a portfolio of technology also truly does differentiate us. It allows us to be very customer focused and it allows any, you know, distribution partner or any engineering firm we deal with to be very customer focused. You know, we're not trying to put Um, a square block and a round hole. We listen to the client. We understand what their needs. We understand what their constraints are. And with our portfolio of different technology, we know we'll have a solution to meet their needs. So for example, if they're looking for odor control, you know, we have our carbon filters. If they're looking to improve their indoor air and, you know, they want something portable, something that they can put in each room, something that they can see, we have our HEPA air purifiers. If they want something that goes induct and something that's more of say of a long term down the road something in their hvac solution then we have our uv or we have our electrostatic filters and from there it's you know are you looking for those esg initiatives are you looking for more energy-saving, sustainability, then we direct them towards the electrostatic filter. So it really allows us to not force any specific technology to anyone. It allows us to listen.
2: Yeah, our mandate is to meet the customer's need, not to sell a specific technology to them.
1: Yeah, that's very cool. But I'm a total geek for business process and especially around you know competitive advantage. So I'm really excited that, that you've actually been doing that um, exercise of identifying uh-huh. each individual competitor and really looking at what distinguishes you from them. What you know, where is your competitive advantage in that? I'm just wondering where you came up with this process. Is this something you learned at school or are you making it up as you go along?
2: So as There's no wrong by the way. <laughs> <laughs> as we were looking at US expansion, we became very aware of uh, some free resources that were available to Canadian companies from uh, provincial and federal uh, institutions. And one of the things that they had requested was a kind of full map out of how you wanted to go into the US. And we looked at each other and we're like, wow, are we stupid for not thinking about doing this uh, to begin with? And um, so when we were doing that, we identified who our customer was uh, in all of our five different customer segments, having a very, very, crystal clear understanding of who we're targeting, why we're targeting, what's our value proposition to those individuals? uh, Who do we want to talk to at those organizations, all of that. And then we said, well, why don't we do this for the competitors as well? Let's understand the market entirely. And so our engineering team did a phenomenal job of creating uh, a a technical uh, review that was then passed over to the marketing team that was able to pull even more data from that and create just this beautiful picture of, of exactly what's happening in the market for us. And so really it came down to wanting to know what we're doing in the US, identifying who the competitors are, and then also looking at, well, where are those competitors selling now, right? What are their biggest industries? Because if, they were, if they're the incumbent, they know where the, the, they know where their product is finding success. We know what product competes with theirs. How do we
0: go and take their cake? yeah you know what's interesting too is it, it really relates back to that first question that you asked us rick where it was you know something that you suggest to to entrepreneurs and early stage entrepreneurs is have an understanding a full understanding of everything that's going on in your space you know the best thing you can do is really provide yourself with all the details so you can always make informed decisions in your growth and what you're going to be doing to really differentiate yourself and find those opportunities
2: and also make sure you are fully aware of what the free resources are as well, especially on expansion planning. Uh, I, I will say the Trade Commission office has been absolutely phenomenal for this so far and helping us do research into the U.S. And their team is, is so eager and, and happy to work with Canadian entrepreneurs. So if, if you're considering any type of expansion, make sure that you are fully exploring what resources are available to you because there is a lot. Yeah. And and some of that includes financing.
1: Thank you so much for giving them a shout out because yeah, the the Canadian trade commissioner service is incredible. It is so business focused. Uh, Some of the brightest people I've ever met um, from all kinds of different backgrounds uh, work in the trade commissioner service. So you don't know, you know, what kind of help specifically you're going to get, but they're, um, but, but they're immensely talented and they're, And and they're really dedicated to customer service. It's a free plug. Um,
0: Absolutely, yeah. That's that's what they're here to do, right? Help us out. So we'll we'll take as much of it as we can get. (laughs)
1: Normally, when the government says that we're here to help you, you know, you 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 (laughs) hold onto your wallet. But this is one of yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there's one (laughs) hand on the pocket. But this is one of the cases where it's absolutely true. And I'm just going to ask one more question related to this because I I find it so interesting that you're at this stage and 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 taking uh, this. competitor map so seriously um who does it did you have talent that was capable of doing this kind of analysis or did you have to hire someone in order to yeah no that's a good question yeah you know what
0: it comes from um actually a combination internally it comes from a combination of the marketing team the sales team and the engineering team you know marketing and sales they're always understanding what the trends are in the industry, what everybody's doing, what other companies are saying. So, you know, we have marketing multiple times a day, just scouring, seeing what new articles are coming out, what's going on on social media, what are advocates in the space talking about certain types of technology? You know, the sales team, if they were in a meeting with a client and maybe the client brought up a specific technology they were looking at in the past, um, We rely on them to see what our customers are talking about on a daily basis and leveraging that and passing that information to engineering because what we'll have our engineering team do is we'll have them dig into the technology that all these competitors are using and they're talking about and we'll try to dig down to what the core tech actually is how it differentiates from our technology how our technology may be uh, better than it how we can maybe work together with a different company, right? So they do a full analysis to give us an understanding of how we differentiate.
2: And and to continue on that, like Giancarlo and I might be the ones who are kind of looking through this, exploring it, realizing we need it. But it is, as he's saying, a truly collaborative effort to actually get it done. Uh, we do a lot of the work ourselves as well, especially when we're we're looking at particular points of entry. We'll pick and identify a couple of locations based on uh, a whole bunch of metrics that, that we have spent our time looking into, uh, and the team will go and verify that or come back with new suggestions saying, okay, like this thesis was off a little bit, consider this location, and we go and fact check it. And, and a perfect example of that was we, we mapped out uh, the 36 largest metropolitan areas in the U.S. on a heat map. And what we did in addition to that was we looked at a whole bunch of our uh, industry uh, niches and multiples uh, and exactly where we were delivering value, uh, ranked those cities, chose the top four locations that had natural branching points, and then said, okay, we need to verify this. How do we verify it? And that's where Trade Commission Service Office came into effect with helping us to check HS codes. And it wasn't just our own HS codes. It's been all of our ancillary-related uh, or niche-related, even sustainable like technologies focus, looking at who is spending money where and why, and uh, verifying that money is being spent in indoor air quality, money is being spent in ventilation, money is being spent in sustainability. Yes, this is a great point of entry, and uh, really helping us to just further narrow that down. So the, the team is incredible. It, it honestly comes all back to them. And, and we're the first to say that the three of us have obviously worked incredibly hard to get where we are, but without the team, none of this is possible. Right.
1: Okay. I have one substantive substantive question left to go, but I want to ask a quick question. So just one of you can answer which everyone wants to. Just wondering with all the trouble we're having across Canada with wildfires, how has That affected your business. How are you guys involved with that? How do you want to, you know, in what way can you be a a solution? uh, As these, we know that these uh, that these fire conditions are going to grow and become more common. It's, It's it's such such a such a nationwide problem at this point. So, what does that mean
2: to Blade? It's it, Again, it's another great question because it's actually something that we had a conversation about uh, a couple of weeks ago internally is, okay, what can we do to help with this? Uh, is there anything in the product suite that, that can be immediately deployed? And carbon filters are great for smoke. Uh, our activated carbon filters are, are a phenomenal solution. But the issue with those is that they can't just be plugged into an HVAC system. They do require a retrofit uh, in a lot of instances. So it's not a quick, easy, clean solution. So what we did on our side is we strongly believe that the electrostatic filter uh, will have a significant impact in its ability to to remove smoke particulates uh, uh, from the air or remove some of the the unhealthy components of smoke from the air. As we have very strong uh, volatile organic compound uh, capture, which generally is only found in carbon filters and that's odors and and other types of gases and stuff like that. Uh, which is very uh, similar to, to, the, uh, to smoke, according to our engineering team. And so we've actually uh, priority ordered um, a test to be done at a, at a local lab to see what our smoke rating is in terms of can we actually help people out there? Can we have an impact? Is there a solution that we can start shipping out tomorrow? And so uh, we should have those results back hopefully within the next couple of weeks. And today, obviously, being the 30th and this coming out in August. Is a uh, is a bit of a questionable timeline, but I guarantee by then we will have the answer. But we're really hoping that this is a way that we can effectively combat this and and help create a difference. That, that's
1: great to hear. Thank you so much. That, that's, that's so encouraging. Um, my final question to you: is, you you guys have accomplished so much in a short time, and you know you have big plans, and that's really exciting too. But sometimes I fear that you know we can almost make entrepreneurship sound too easy. So um, Giancarlo I'm wondering if you can tell us about one big problem that you guys have solved together in you know the past year or so and Aiden maybe you could finish off by telling us about one problem that you're still working on <laughs> Giancarlo you go first
0: <laughs> No that's uh, that's that's absolutely a great question and honestly a very multifaceted question because there's so many different challenges that that we face on a constant basis and you know
1: oh just pick one I think
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think one challenge in particular that I think has actually allowed us to scale to the point that where we are now is really growing the team out, to be honest, and understanding when and how to do that. That was a big challenge for us when we did our when we completed our first large project, you know, the three of us sold the project, and then the three of us built the product for that project. And you know, once we completed the manufacturing of that project, no sales had been done in the interim because we were working night and day and building our products. Right. So, you know, at the end of that project, we (laughs) told ourselves, we're never going to be doing this again. You know, we really need to understand we we want a constant pipeline, right? So we need to understand, okay, where are our skills? Where do we see ourselves as the best asset in the company? You know, at that time it was, okay, are we better at building the product? Or are we better at selling the product? So, you know, the three of us went to ourselves and we said, okay, where is our skill? And we determined, you know what our skills are in selling the product, not in necessarily building the product. So we need to bring in people who can complement that skill. So we initially brought in some people to help us on the manufacturing side. So what that allowed us to do is to keep selling. And as the team was building the product, we kept their funnel busy and kept them going constantly. And, you know, fast forward, we're feeling overwhelmed and we're looking at our task and we're saying, okay, where do we see the best value for spending our time right now? And it's always having that understanding and looking at yourselves and saying, where can we complement are ourselves where our weaknesses who can we bring in that has a strength where our weakness is? and that's how we always now focus on building out the team and bringing the proper people in because once we bring those individuals in honestly we see immediate growth and a weight off our shoulders
1: and you know everything growing very cool okay aiden you get the last words a problem you're still wrestling with you're not sure how it's gonna go (laughs) Well, I, I think that this will be a problem, honestly,
2: for, for as long as we're in business and it's, it's related to the team, it's, it's culture, right? It's, it's how do you maintain a positive, hungry uh, workplace culture through the good times and more importantly, through the bad times. And uh, when business starts to slow down, your sales cycles start to take a little bit longer, people can start to feel that stress and tension in the business and we went from a period of a lot of government spending uh, on indoor air quality, where we were a, a vendor of choice and also had everything already pre-vetted and, and included on a couple of buy-sell platforms to go without negotiation because it had already been pre-vetted, uh, where we were bringing in opportunities at a very quick pace. Now we're getting back into the private. The pendulum has swung away from public into private. And the private companies are taking their time. They're taking their time, bringing employees back. They're evaluating and they're getting to learn this industry now. And so we're confident about where the company is going, the foundations that we put in place, the customer pool that we have, it's phenomenal. But it also takes time and it takes a lot of effort. And so I think that's one of the hardest parts is, is as you scale so fast and everything is, is, is win after win after win after win with very little loss in between, when you start losing bids again, when you start taking longer to close sales cycles, when you have to train uh, on new technologies that are coming in and all of these types of things, uh, keeping everybody motivated and hungry and feeling super positive about where they are is, is one of the hardest challenges. And especially now we're in this stage where we're no longer a startup. We feel we're not Really, a scale up. We're kind of between that scale up and professional organization. We're trying to build that next step, uh, or and 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 really elevate the business to that next step. And everybody here is is phenomenal. Who is on our team? They all have the right attitude. They're all entrepreneurial as well. They're all hungry, and they bought into the vision and believe in the vision. But maintaining that hasn't always been easy. And I and and I don't believe that it will be easy. Even as we look to grow, growth is one of the hardest things, especially as you grow into new markets, we're going to fail a whole bunch. I'm ready for it. We're ready for it. Being ready for failure, accepting failure, it doesn't change the way that failure feels when it happens. And so it's just about keeping that positive mentality for not only yourself, but your entire team through those uh, more challenging periods.
1: Fabulous. You guys are Great business people, and you and you have great answers to all my questions. So I'm going to give you a ten out of ten on this one. <laughs> I've been talking with uh, Aiden that. Fida and Giancarlo Cesa of uh, Blade Air in Toronto, bladeair.com. Uh, you're at the intersection of a lot of really interesting trends here, and uh, I wish you all the luck in the future. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Great to meet you, and we'll check in again. And next time we'll have. Have Joe with us, and we'll have a two-hour podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds <laughs> great. Thanks, Thanks so Rick. much. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence.